It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. I'm Kim Grenolds of Dogman.com with Chris Fetter. Scott Eklund, it's been a busy week since Chris Peterson dropped the bomb that he was stepping down as the head coach at University of Washington. Since then, bowl game has been announced. Hunter Bryant, Trey Adams not playing in the bowl game, recruiting kicking off, and uh, we'll save basketball for another day. Expect the podcast tomorrow uh, for basketball with Chris Fetter's Aaron Beach, but Las Vegas Bowl. I don't think anybody's surprised. I think that's what pretty much everybody anticipated, announced it. It will be played on December 21st in Las Vegas, 7.30 kickoff on ESPN. And Chris Peterson met with the media yesterday and, um, boy, squirming. I mean, those of us who've known Pete for a long time, he doesn't like the attention. He would rather make it about the team. And all of a sudden, this whole bowl game is about him. So uh, should be an interesting time down in Las Vegas. Just, Chris, your thought. Did you uh, I mean, I think this has been pretty much known for the past couple of days that that was going to be the bowl game. Any surprise there? Well, I think the only wrench in the works was going to be whether or not the Pac-12 was going to get two teams into the New Year's Six games, which, you know, the the Pac-12 is the only conference of the Power Five whose runner-up is not in a New Year's Six game. I mean, Utah is in the Alamo Bowl, and they may have even had to pull strings to make sure that that happened. So it, it does show you how the conferences kind of cannibalize themselves to the point where they really take themselves out of some, you know, uh, advantageous positions when it comes to the postseason bowl games, but yeah, if, if if for some reason Utah was able to get themselves into a New Year Six game, that might have rearranged the deck chairs a little bit. They may have gone to like the Sun Bowl, for instance, or what have you. But I, I just think ever since Utah kind of really put that stinker on the board in the Pac-12 championship game, that it wasn't leaning that direction, and they were going to get. Alamo Bowl, maybe even if they were lucky. And, um, you know, and so then the Holiday Bowl, USC is obviously a natural connection. Sun Bowl with Arizona State, that's a natural connection. Cal and the Red Box in the Bay Area, that was a natural connection. So I think obviously the storyline with Peterson leaving, Boise State, Washington, the whole bit, it, it just, it kind of makes sense. And what I was told just real quick was that, um, the Red Bucks Bowl wanted Washington, but there was a lot of pressure to take Cal. Um, the Sun Bowl is uh, it's not that far from uh, Phoenix, so that would attract a lot more people who would travel down there. And there's still a little bit of a buzz going on around um, the Arizona State program with Herm Edwards, Cal. I mean, USC going to the Holiday Bowl, you know, just that's such a mess down at USC with the retention of Clay Helton, and uh, I'm just glad we're not going to El Paso. But, uh, you know, the um, going to the Las Vegas Bowl, it was ESPN who had the choice of the team there. And if you're an executive for ESPN, uh, having that Chris Peterson-Boise State matchup is such a logical, probably going to get more eyeballs for that game than anything else. And, and Scott, 
You think they'll have any uh, guys from Bishop Gorman maybe wander over? Is there anybody at Bishop Gorman that might be interested in going to practice over there? Uh, yeah, Romo Dunsey, the wide receiver, who's committed to the University of Washington. And uh, I know they have some underclassmen that Washington is going to be giving a heavy look to, too. So, um, But, you know, they I, I don't know if you know this, Kim, but they cannot invite kids to practices um, and, and have them on because they aren't technically – on-campus visits like you could do and it's in the dead period so the only way a kid could go to see the huskies at all when they're down there is when they are on the field for the bowl game and the kid purchases a ticket to the bowl game what about so, an o- what about an open practice that's open to the public no it's you, well i don't know i don't know i think that's a gray area as far as kids i as, as far as kids are concerned and recruits because um, it's a dead period and they're not technically allowed. I mean, it, you, you've seen it at the University of Washington when they, in August, when they had the open practice, there were no kids, there were no recruits, not necessarily even on the sidelines, even in the stands, there were no recruits. So um, I don't know. They might just tell the kids, hey, it's a gray area and we don't want to broach that. So just go ahead and enjoy the, your, the rest of your Christmas vacation and watch us on TV. Let's first touch, Chris, on the Hunter Bryant declaring for the NFL. He won't be playing uh, on the bowl game, and then we'll move to Trey Adams. But uh, I don't think anybody is surprised that Hunter – well, they are surprised they haven't been paying attention with Hunter Bryant. He's only got so much mileage left on those knees, so it's going to be interesting. But not a surprise at all about Hunter Bryant declaring for the NFL and not playing in the bowl game. No surprise. And, yes, I think the knees and and, and certainly – the the injury uh, question and all that stuff when you play in a bowl game is certainly uh, there for everyone to see. And if it, if this was a New Year's Six game, I think there might be a different difference of opinion. Hunter Bryant may have decided if it was a Rose Bowl or something like that for sure. If he could if he could play, um, he'd do it. Vegas Bowl, yeah, it just it's it, there's just not a lot of return there for him. And it's just uh, one of those things where also you just have to wonder, too, how much of of him wanting to still be in school, for instance. Because I, I just get the sense that, uh, you know, all things being equal, he really saw Washington as a means to an end and not really for the education. But the education was a part of it. But really it was to make sure that he got uh, his shot at achieving his dream of being a pro. And he even said as much in his... Uh, his little tweet, his little video, uh, announcing his decision to go ahead and forego his final season. And Scott, he hasn't been the same player um, before. The Hunter Bryant we saw before the injury, we saw a glimpse of it in the Rose Bowl last year against Ohio State in the last in the second half. But uh, he seems to have lost a step and the explosiveness. So not a surprise with Hunter Bryant at all. Yeah, well, he spent most of his senior year, well, I wouldn't, shouldn't say most, about half of his senior year injured. He spent half of his junior year, I believe, injured as well. Uh, and maybe maybe not missing games, but he was injured. That that knee really struggled. And then he had um, and then he had the knee injury his freshman year, and then he re-aggravated it during the spring and went on full-on uh, repair. So, you know, I... I, I just I, I agree with you. It's this is something that he had to make a decision on. Hey, if I want to go to the NFL and have any sort of an NFL career and make some money that way, then I need to go now. And he's I don't think he could improve his draft stock anymore. He's six two. 
He's 200 and what is he? 240 pounds, 235 pounds, whatever he is. He's ma- about ma- maxed out physically. If you just look at the way how cut he is and everything like that, I just I think this was his chance to go. And I, I really do see, and I know some other people have come up with some other comparisons, but I really see a Chris Cooley. Uh, if anybody remembers him from when he was playing uh, with the Washington Redskins, I see Chris him playing a Chris Cooley role. He'll be a H back. He'll be asked to block. He'll do some fullback work. He'll do some tight end work. He'll split out a little bit. He'll do a, a lot of everything for a team, and I think he can do it. But like you said, Kim, he's not as explosive as, as we were seeing when he was a junior, senior, and as a freshman uh, in college. And, Chris, when we move over to Trey Adams, um, you know, Trey was a projected first-round draft pick, projected top-10 draft pick before his knee injury, but uh, he didn't seem like the same Trey Adams this year. So, a um, little bit of a surprise, him not participating in the bowl game, because I know how much he loves the team and loves playing football at Washington, but it sure sounds like the right decision for Trey Adams as well. I, I would agree with that decision. I want to go back for a second and talk a little bit more about Hunter Bryant. Um, you guys act as if he's kind of a shell of what he was when he was a freshman. He caught 22 passes his freshman year for 331 yards. This year he caught 52 passes for 825 yards. Hunter Bryant is playing just fine. He's healthy. He's ready to go. He, You may think he had lost a half a step, but I would say the issue this year with Hunter Bryant, if there was any issue at all, was simply the inconsistency with his hands and the inability to maybe make a key play here or there when it really mattered when they needed to lean on him a little bit. So that, to me, I, I'm looking at it a little different lens, but... As far as his production, he, he's been massively uh, over what he was the first two years. I mean, he played 14 games in total the last two years, 33 catches, about 550 yards. He's, he's almost doubled those totals when it comes down to it this year. So he's been plenty productive. Um, I would say on Trey, yeah, a little surprising. But again, if you look at it as the Vegas Bowl compared to maybe a New Year's Six game, there might be a difference of opinion. Trey might say, wait a second, if this is the Rose Bowl, this is the granddaddy, I'm playing. But it's Vegas. No one cares. I mean, when it comes down to guys looking ahead for their pro prospects and the possibility of getting themselves banged up in that game, yeah, I just the, the, the cons outweigh the pros in that regard. It just seems like a no-brainer. And, and, and it's interesting, too, because I don't want to jump too far ahead. I don't know, Kim, if you want to talk about Jacob Beeson at all and his decision to play in this game. But I wonder if that is a telling uh, kind of little thing going on. If, if Now, again, it's the quarterback. So you, you never really want the quarterback to all of a sudden determine that one bowl is more important or less important than another. But I wonder if that really is a bit of insight or a hint of what his future uh, plans might be. Yeah, we'll jump to Jacob in a second. But just, hey, Scott, just thoughts on Trey Adams. I I think it's the right deal. I I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't think Trey Adams played very well this season. I thought he was okay, if not below what the standards that we believe him uh, to be capable of. Um, some of that has to do with his injury. Some of it, I just I think he's just not playing very well. And I I don't know if that's because of the coaching he's getting. I don't know if it's because he doesn't trust the other players or whatever it is. Don't think he had a very good senior season. And um, as far as playing, I, I think it's really, um, uh, you know, a your call kind of thing. And 
at this point, I, I don't like it because I like the players playing, but I get why they don't do it. And he can't suffer another injury. If he does, he could be done. And I just think that this is a guy that, that as much as he likes to be out there with his friends and his, and his brothers, as they call themselves and all these different things, I think in the long run, he really has to think about his financial future and his possible pro career. And if that's the case, then I think him saving his knee, any possible injury he could get is the right move, at least for him. When it comes to Jacob Eason, I think that uh, Jacob's plan was to leave after this year. I think after the BYU game, he was pretty much a lock to leave. Um, the last uh, second half of the year, there's been some question mark. He's been a little bit more up and down. A lot of the latest mock drafts do not have him in the first round. So I think where it was a lock for him to leave, I think maybe now there may be some second thoughts on that. So I think what he needs to do is go out and prove himself in the bowl game, see if he gets an NFL grade back and uh, go from there. But right now, I'd say it's uh, up in the air whether Jacob Eason does come back or not. Um, quarterbacks tend to be a little bit more protected than offensive linemen, too, with the way they can't be hit as much. So it makes a little bit more sense for Jacob to play. But, uh, Chris, I mean, what's your gut? Is he coming back? Is he going? What do you think? Yeah, I, I was in the same camp that you were in, Kim. I would have thought that he was gone for sure. I, I'm i of the opinion more and more, and especially now with the news last week of Chris Peterson stepping down and Jimmy Lake taking over and, and Jimmy's comments in regard to researching the kind of offense that they want to develop at Washington, how it's going to be basically whatever he thought was the hardest to defend, which I thought was an interesting take. Which make, it makes total sense, but you never really think of it kind of on that way. Um, I really wonder if this bowl game is not only a dress rehearsal or uh, an interview for Bush Hamden in terms of trying to get that that uh, you know the vote of confidence from Jimmy Lake in terms of running the offense in 2020. But I think I wonder if it's also for Jacob Beeson whether or not he sees a future with Bush Hamden as the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. Um, so I think there's a lot of things that are tied in there. I'll be interesting to see, I'll be really interested to see how that kind of all untangles after the fact, depending on what happens in the bowl game. And Scott, it to me appears as though a decision by Jacob Easton is going to be largely dependent on the offense they plan on running next year. I can't, I have a tough time wrapping my head around them running the same type of offense. And when we talk about Justin Herbert, who could have been a top 10 draft pick last year and deciding to come back, one of the things that I heard was the key decisions to him coming back was, did he have a coaching staff in place at Oregon that would allow him to improve? And the, and the answer to that was yes. And I think that's going to be the same question that Jacob Easton's going to have to answer to himself. Is this the offensive staff? Is this the offense that can make me better? Because I don't think the offense they ran this year would be an offense that could help him get ready for the NFL. I don't disagree with that either. And, I, you know, I, I think a lot of it's going to go into how he is – you know, projected by the by the NFL scouts. It doesn't really matter what the projections say by guys like Togmat Che or some of these other guys who are out on the internet doing it. I'm not saying those guys are idiots or those guys don't have their own connections, but I think when he sits down, you know he's going to get evaled by the NFL scouts, and 
and they're going to give him an honest assessment of where he's probably going to end up. I think he's probably a top three round guy and, you know, one, two, three rounds, uh, first, second, third round. And I, I don't know. I, I think a lot of it's going to depend on, you know, is Puka back? Is, are my wide receivers going to be more dynamic than the ones that I played with? Uh, what's my tight end situation going to be? What's, you know, all these different things. What's the offensive line going to look like? Because honestly, the offensive line might be a little more talented than it was uh, this past year, but it's not going to have the same kind of experience. So is he going to be able to have success? Like you said, Kim, is the offense going to let him be successful? I still am leaning toward him leaving early. I think that's probably his best situation because if he has another year like this, he could be find himself out of the draft. If, well, the other if he doesn't play well. Well, the other thing too is you know agents are in the ears of these kids. I mean, if they're not in the ear of the kids, they're in the ears of the parents and the people around them. But there is an advantage to going in the second round and not in the first round. And the advantage is you get to your second contract faster. First round draft picks, there's a fifth year option that can be picked up in uh, after the first round. It's a four year deal. So you get to that second contract a year earlier. So you're hearing that from the agents as well. Um, we're also, you know, hearing a lot of the talk where the football people, the football gods are saying, staying in school when you take a look at the numbers and the quarterbacks who stay that extra year in college how much better they actually do on their second contract even though it takes an extra year so that's something to take into consideration as well yeah real quick kim just on that um also getting picked in the second round or even the third round means you're probably not going to a team who absolutely needs you right away Right. You might have a chance to sit for a year or two, learn under a guy who's this already established veteran, and then get your chance a la Aaron Rodgers when he was up in Green Bay. Hey, Christian, as long as we're talking about, you know, Chris, if Jacob Eason's going to be leaving early or not, I think the two other players that, you know, have a chance to leave early, uh, one would be Jackson Kirkland and the other Levi Onwuzrike. What's your thoughts on those two? Well, they they certainly could. I mean, just finishing up on Eason, we you know as much as we analyze it or overanalyze it, what have you, I think it it could come down simply to whether or not it's already in Jacob Eason's mind and has been in his mind that he's going to turn pro. It could be just that simple. He it, you know there may be a lot of other things going on right now with the program in terms of the direction of the offense and and all those things. But if Jacob Beeson has already had it in his mind that if he played a full season at Washington and he put up a full season of tape and teams could see all the good, bad, the ugly, everything else, and if it all, you know, as we know, it only takes one program to fall in love with a guy like that that can do what he does at the next level, he may be as good as gone. So, yeah, I think I think what Scott's saying in terms of him, you know, kind of leaning towards East and leaving, I can absolutely see that. And and again, I think that's probably the way we were all leaning at one point. I just really wonder whether or not in the back of his head, if he's truly open to the idea of coming back, whether or not this whole thing with Bush Hamden and, and kind of this dress rehearsal for the bowl game is going to matter to him and whether or not they can show maybe a few wrinkles during this game, whether or not uh, that's enough for him to come back. On the other guys... I would even add a third guy, Kim, besides Anzarike and uh, and Kirkland, and that's Savon Ahmed too, because I, I think a lot of people 
uh, maybe just assume that Savon Ahmed's coming back. But he did have a thousand. He's right on a thousand uh, yards right now. He had a really strong year. I really wonder how much he's going to be able to bump his stock up in one season, considering he's really put on tape what he is, which he is a speed back. He's a guy that can get to the edge. You can use him in the pass game. He's not going to be a strong in the tackles kind of guy, as we all know. So, I mean, I'll be curious to see what his decision is going to be uh, after this game. But in terms of Kirkland Anzarike, first of all, with Jackson Kirkland, I'll be curious to see if he even plays. I mean, he's been banged up. And uh, that's why a guy like Henry Bainavalu has been playing a bunch. So we'll see if Kirkland's available. I know you guys uh, asked Chris Peterson about him on Sunday, and he was hopeful, but he didn't really sound definitive on what he was going to do. And then with Anzarike, yeah, I could definitely see him leaving as well because he's another guy that has been around the program a lot. He's put a lot of film up on there in terms of what he can do. Um, yeah, I just I'm really struggling to see where where another year for him would all of a sudden turn him into a different guy or bump him up to a different tier in terms of how the draft would look at him. Scott, your thoughts? Um, yeah, I I would agree with Chris Fetters, and I still think Keith Taylor is another one that we need to talk about a little bit too. But uh, I think I don't think Jackson Kirkland's gone. I think he returns for another year. But I think Levi Anzarike is probably gone, and I am almost certain that Savan Ahmed is probably gone. Yeah, and the thing that with Levi, and I don't know if you guys have noticed it when you talk to him, he really enjoys it here. He really enjoys being here as opposed to down in Texas. You know, he's just always remarks to me about how he loves the weather here. You know, the big guys down in Texas, especially in the Houston area with humidity, they're not big on the heat. So he loves it here. So not so sure about Keith Taylor. I see him more in that Jordan Miller type range where, you know, he's probably a third day pick. I think he could probably elevate that by coming back and having a great year. But we have to look where the, um, uh, defensive coaches are with Jimmy Lake being the head coach. I'm sure he's still going to have his finger a little bit in that defensive secondary uh, practice pool. And then in addition, um, you know, Will Harris staying and who's going to be hired on the defensive side of the ball because they need to hire at least one coach. So Savon, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, he is what he is. He's not a between the tackles guy and he has had a few injuries. So He's definitely one to keep an eye on, and uh, we'll see. he didn't, you know, Coach Pete, you know, didn't mention him as a guy not playing. So we'll see if he does indeed play in the bowl game. And at this point in time, I would expect him to. Um, Guys, Scott? also real quick, uh, Kim and and Scott as well. There's one other name that I would throw out there to see what you guys think. Elijah Molden. What do you think about his coming back or no? I thought at the beginning of the year there was a chance because I thought he was playing lights out, but I think in the second half of the year he really struggled. I think he'll be back and try to improve his stock. I uh, completely agree with Kim. I believe Elijah Molden will return for his senior season. One other thing, he's a big-time student. Um, you know, uh, I think he'll be here and finish his degree. I think that's really important to him and his family. So, um, But, you know, like I said, you know, the beginning of the year he was lights out, but uh, we haven't really seen that in the second half. He had his moments, but nowhere near like it was at the beginning. Also, so, real quick, I, I, you know, and, and I'm throwing names out again, and I'm really wondering about Kate Otten. Um, I know that everyone would assume that he's coming back. I would assume that he's coming back. <laughs> But I, I could make a pretty 
convincing argument that he was by far the best pass catcher at Washington this year. It wasn't even it wasn't even close in terms of being targeted and in terms of being a reliable guy. And that's better than any of the receivers, too. Um, he has really, really come on strong. And I'm wondering if he has those pro ambitions, if he wants to be a four-year guy at Washington. I'm really curious to see what Kate Otten does because I, I would never have even considered it, even halfway through this season, whether or not he would be a guy that might jump early. But you know what? He's turned out to be a really valuable guy and a guy that I could see doing some damage at the next level. And being around his family and Kate a little bit, I just don't think he's wired to leave early. It just doesn't seem like he's the type of kid that would do that. Uh, I think he's a four-year guy, and I'd expect him to have a big year next year. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's the way I read it. He's a four-year guy. That's just the way he's wired. Yeah, I, I would agree with you, Kim. I, I don't disagree. I, I, I think that Kate Otten returns for his seniors or for his jun- at least junior season. Uh, Scott, want to touch bases real quick? I know that on the boards, a little, a few people have been um, commenting on uh, bowl game, signing day, <laughs> recruiting. What impact does it have? What impact does this have? The coaches are going to leave on the day before signing day. They'll, they're going to head down next Tuesday. They will be down in Vegas for signing day. Does this have any impact? No. Not at one impact whatsoever. I mean, it's if they're going to lose a guy, it's not because they're practicing and they're not going to lose a guy. So, um, but well, wait if a they, second, but what, what about the two hours that it's going to take to fly from Seattle to Vegas on that Tuesday? That two hours that, that could be the difference between keeping or losing a guy from what oh, we've no. been told. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> what about, when, sure? what about yeah. when they're asleep? Yeah, it's a, it's a dead period. Uh, so kids can't visit. And coaches can't be on the road visiting kids. And, you know, Washington is doing just fine. They're going to close out this class just fine. Uh, As Some of the guys that might be a little wavering just a little bit, um, I think they lock them up this weekend um, or over this week. And, um, you know, it's not going to have an impact whatsoever. The coaches are only running – uh, one, maybe two practices, according to Chris Peterson this week, because it's finals week. The coaches are all out on the road. You can only have seven or six, it's either six or seven. I think it's seven coaches on the road um, out any on any one day. So the coaches that aren't on the road can run a practice. Chris Peterson can run practice because he's not going on the road at all. And then you have the GAs, the graduate assistants who are running things. And honestly, they're just running drills. They're not doing game planning or anything like that at this point. And then next week, uh, when they get down to Las Vegas, it's going to be game prep week. So um, there's re- it's not going to impact the bowl game, and it's not going to impact recruiting. So don't worry. It's going to be just fine. Scott, how many do they have in the boat right now? Is it 21? 21, and they're expecting – uh, at least 20 to sign, and uh, you might see one or two uh, opt to wait until February. Um, I think the coach is going to do everything they can not to have that happen. But if it does, I still think they'll get about 20 because I think there's a guy who will end up committing to Washington before uh, signing day or on signing day and send in his letter that hasn't done it yet. Yeah, and they've only got – I mean, if you took a look at Washington's board right now, yeah, it's, how many, it's how very many guys small. Are, I mean, it's what, five, six? Five to seven, yeah, if that. Um, that's a pretty manageable number. 
I think so. It's, <laughs> yeah, and they have cell phones. And, so. and, and by the way, the guys that you know are committed and won't be signed, won't sign. Maybe like an Ethan Garbers, maybe you know, um, off offensive players waiting to see what indeed is going to happen with the um, offensive staff. But um, even then. I still think they all wind yeah. up signing anyways. Well, well, Romo Dunsey told me last week when I did an interview with him that he is 100% locked in with UW. He's not talking to any other schools, but that he thinks he might wait to sign in February. And I said, well, why would you do that? And he says, yeah, I just kind of want to enjoy the rest of my you know, my time and, and not really worry about it. This, you know, it's the holidays. I want my, I got family in town. And I just, I have a belief that, uh, Junior Adams um, and Jimmy Lake will make it known. Hey, if you're committed to us, then you're going to sign. Bet you and, a dollar he signs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, you're not. I'm not taking that bet because I think he signs. But, uh-huh. but uh, you just never. I mean, they're 18. You know, these are 17, 18 year old kids. In some cases, 19 or 20. <laughs> with some, not any UW recruits. But uh, you know, I, I, I just. I will be shocked if they don't get everybody in the boat. The only one who I think is legit might not sign is Ethan Garbers. And I think he kind of wants to see what's going to happen with Bush Hamden's situation, like you said, Kim. And also, he and Mark Redman were planning to visit this weekend, and they can't now because they're playing in the state championship game on Saturday. Yeah. So they're not going to take their official visits until um, – until January. Hey so, guys, Scott, guys, I just yeah, wanted, but yeah, but something can happen, you know. Yeah, well, <laughs> I just wanted to chime in on this real quick because um, I know everyone's looking for clues and hints as to what Jimmy Lake's going to do with the offense, and you know the irony is he's a defensive coach, but the first real impactful decision of his legacy as a head coach at Washington is going to be what happens with the offense, and I think it is telling that first of all, this decision for Chris Peterson to step down and all the other things, they did this before signing day and well before signing day, right after the Apple Cup, to give those guys an opportunity to look around if they felt like they needed to take a second look, like the offensive guys, for instance. But if you look, and of course all the coaches have been on the road, they've been out doing their in-home visits and all those things, what have you seen? Because all the coaches and, and all the players, they all you know do their thing on Twitter and whatnot, and they take their pictures of the in-home visits and everything's good. You haven't seen any of the offensive coaches off the road. You see pictures of Scott Huff. You see pictures of Jordan Pow Pow. You see pictures of Bush Hamden, Junior Adams, Keith Bonifa. Those guys are out there recruiting. That tells me I don't think anything's going to change personnel-wise. On the offense. I just don't think so because if they were thinking about making moves like that, and I know Jimmy Lake said that they were going to talk and do all those kinds of things after the bowl game, I just find it hard to believe that they would continue with their recruiting efforts and get all these guys signed on the 20th and then all of a sudden change everything. Does that make sense? Somewhat, but... I don't. I, I. I just can't believe that they are going to go into um, this spring with the same offense. And um, well, but here's the difference, Kim. They can they can change a lot of things on the offense without having to change the staff. These guys aren't necessarily wedded to a single idea. 
Well, I think the big thing, I think the biggest thing is Jimmy Lake is a first-time head coach, and he's a defensive coach. He's not an offensive coach. And if Jimmy Lake's going to be successful, I think he needs to spend the time his first year, number one, being used to being a head coach and making sure he's running the program and how not being that much involved in the offense. And if he can get into a situation where he can hand the keys to the car to somebody that he really trusts to run the offense, who's done it before, I think that's going to lead to a lot more success for a guy like Jimmy Lake. And I think he gets that too. The question is, does he feel he can hand the keys of the offense over to Bush Hamden? Chris Peterson never handed the keys over to Bush Hamden because Chris Peterson's the offensive coach and he was always still involved. And I've said this before, it's like the Seahawks. Is Ken Norton really the defensive coordinator? No. Pete Carroll is. You know, uh, he, uh, Ken Norton is in, entitled, but that's my biggest thing that my thought is if Jimmy's going to be the head coach and that first year is going to be real important, he needs to have somebody over there he can trust and hand the keys to. Is Bush Hamden that guy? I'm not so sure he is. See, what I what I wonder is, and again, I'm kind of going off the quotes that Jimmy Lake had last week when he talked about they're going to they're going to research this. They're going to look at all the things that they know as defensive coaches what they don't like to prepare against. And they're going to try to go in that type of a direction. And I'm wondering, first of all, do they have the personnel to do that? Because that's the most important thing of all this. They've got to have the guys in place that can run whatever they want to run. They can't all of a sudden just go to you know, an offense like an Oklahoma or LSU or Ohio State or what have you if they don't have a quarterback that can be a true run threat as well as being a really strong passer. They, they need to have that whole package. So and see, I, I look at it a little bit differently. I look in what he's saying is music to Jacob Easton's ears. We're gonna we're gonna be in your face. We're going to be aggressive with it, which means throwing the ball downfield. And I think that was a little bit of a recruiting talk to Jacob Easton, is and, what I read into and, that. And I totally and I totally understand that. And I can see where people would read those types of things into it. What I'm wondering is is if Jimmy Lake's talk to Bush Hamden after the bowl game is going to be, look, Bush, I'm going to hand this thing over to you, and I'm going to let you run the offense, but I'm going to tell you these are the things I want to see happen. As, you know, he's giving him kind of the overall directive, but yet it's going to be up to Bush to make sure it's implemented, to make sure that it can be run the way they need it to be run. Because I, I do think Jimmy Lake, he made it very, very clear at the press conference, and in some ways, I kind of thought he maybe ran over Chris Peterson a little bit with these comments in talking about how he had a true passion for the X's and O's and how that was maybe a little different than how things were run last year, which kind of told me that maybe Chris Peterson had checked out on that score and was really just dealing with the culture of the program. Um, but that said, he has such a passion for the for the – the mechanics of the uh, of of both offense, defense, and special teams, that he may not necessarily, you know, tell Bush Hamden what to do, but I think he's going to be a lot more involved than maybe we're thinking about at this point because I think he's he he's got a he's got a real hunger for it. I think we've gone on way too long, you guys. We normally try to keep these to twenty twenty five minutes. We've gone over, and that's okay. But just real quick before we go, Scott. Signing day, 
It's not too far off. Uh, anything else we need to be updated on? At this point, uh, no. I, I mean, I, I posted a blog today where the coaches are headed this week and uh, some of the guys are doing in-home visits with. I expect almost all of the, if not all, of the uh, committed players to have in-home visits. I believe uh, Xavier Carlton is actually going to have one uh, today. And um, with Jimmy Lake and with Ikaika Malloy, they were in, in home with uh, the Odunzies last night, I believe. So um, a lot is happening on the recruiting trail, but it's nothing major that's breaking. And we'll just keep you guys updated all week with different blogs and everything like that. I should have another blog up tomorrow with with reports on kids and everything like that. They're out seeing 2021 guys. So just keep an eye peeled to the recruiting board, the recruiting blogs. And uh, I'm sure we'll do one or two more of these podcasts before signing day. I just got one one quick question. Any update on Jacoby Covington? Because that's what everybody wants to know. Um, that he's basically, I feel very strongly that Washington is going. Washington fans are going to be very happy when signing day rolls around with him. But he's not making an announcement until the 18th. So we're going to be on pins and needles until then. And he's still not answering his phone. No, he's not. And his mom isn't talking either. So it is no, I will. His mom, say, I, his mom's not talking really. No, I. He, one thing I will say is that Blair Angulo has an in, in there and has talked to her quite a bit. But um, as far as talking to me or any other media members, that's it. All right. We'll go ahead and wrap this up. And uh, just a reminder, if you're looking for those daily updates, as well as breaking news alerts, which we seem to have had an abundance of lately, just uh, shoot us a note. HuskyStadium at gmail.com, subject line newsletter. We will get you hooked up. So for all of us at Dogman.com, I'm Kim Grenolds with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund. Go dogs.